we are uh, jumping back in now after uh, Matthew 9 last week. We looked at the mission of the kingdom. We looked at the fact that Jesus has begun now to share openly the reason that he came, why it was that he came. And the mission of the kingdom was to seek and save the lost. The mission of the kingdom was to come and to bring people into the kingdom. And now as we get into Matthew chapter 10, he begins to reveal how that's going to happen. He begins to reveal how that kingdom is going to expand, how it's going to grow. Uh, Every kingdom from the beginning of time has sought to expand. And for the most part, you have people like uh, Caesar or Alexander the Great or these great leaders, these great men, and they have thousands and thousands and thousands of troops at their disposal, and they have almost unlimited resources at their disposal. And now you have this kingdom that Jesus has introduced, and just like everything else about this kingdom, the way it's going to grow is different. The way it's going to expand is different. Jesus starts with 12 men. That's how the kingdom's going to begin to grow, with 12 men. And they're not armed with weapons. They're armed with the truth. They're armed with the truth about who God is, and they're armed with the message that the Messiah has come. The one that people has been, have been waiting for has come. And these are the messengers of the kingdom. And today that's our role as we all have a place in the expansion of the kingdom, as we all have a role to play in the expansion of the kingdom. I knew I was going to forget my Bible down here, sorry. Listen as I read Matthew chapter 10. We're going to read the first 16 verses. He, talking about Jesus, he called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Do not take along any gold or silver or copper in your belts. Take no bag for the journey or extra tunic or sandals or a staff. For the worker is worth his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search for some unworthy person there, or for, sorry, some worthy person there, and stay at his house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet when you leave that home or town. I tell you the truth, it would be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. There is a, there's a ton in that passage, and there's a lot uh, to work through. And we're going to focus today on what we can learn about our place, what we can learn about our role, because there's some things in there that you see as Jesus interacts with his disciples. There's some things that you see that are absolutely relevant to us today, have everything to do with what God asks of us, what God requires of us. Sorry, someone moved that. I was feeling a little, little boxed in. The first thing that I want you to see is right there in verse 1, and it's in the first couple of words. 
God gives the call. You see it right there at the beginning. God called the disciples. Jesus called the disciples to himself. Now, this is important because any significant work in your life or any significant work in a ministry that is going to have an impact on the kingdom of God, that is going to cause the kingdom of God to grow, begins with this. Kingdom expansion begins with God. And Jesus extends the call to his disciples here. It starts with that. Now, all of us have a general call on our lives. All of us have the general call to love people, to share the gospel with people, to present Christ to people, to glorify Christ in our own lives, to reflect Christ in our own lives. But God also has a specific plan and a specific purpose for each and every one of us. In Ephesians, it says that God has good works already set aside for each and every Christian. The good works that he set aside for us, that's how the kingdom grows. The plan that he has for us, the purpose that he has for us, is always to bring glory to his name and always to be moving the kingdom forward, to be expanding the kingdom. Now our call can look very different at different times in our lives. I know a guy that, uh, a buddy of mine that was a salesman for 20 years, and then God gave him a very, very clear and compelling call to enter into full-time ministry. I know missionaries that have absolutely been called to go overseas and then just as absolutely been called to come back to the States. My wife and I have felt called to every change in ministry, to every new church that God has called us to. God's call can change and it can shift and it can morph in different seasons in our lives. But there's always a call. There's always a role to play. There's always a part for us as the kingdom grows. And for you right now, you may not be sure of what that is. You may not be absolutely certain what the big picture is that God has for you. His call right now may only extend to your family. It may, call, it may extend to the end of the block. But all of us have a call. And I think that all of us genuinely desire to do great things for God's kingdom. And I think we have in our mind a picture of what that looks like. Most of us have these, these huge ideas of the great things that we're going to accomplish for God. But if that doesn't start with his call, if that doesn't start with him revealing to us where it is we're to go, if that doesn't start with him stirring our hearts with his power, then those efforts will never produce the kingdom results that they could and the kingdom results that God desires. And so that's where it starts. It seems very basic, and in some ways it is. But your role in growing the kingdom begins with God's call on your life. It begins with God revealing his purpose for you. The second thing that you see, and we see it right here again in verse 1, is that God gives the authority. God gives the call, and then God gives the authority. Scripture says he called his disciples to him and he gave them the authority to do what needed to be done. He gave them the authority to accomplish what he had just called them to. I think we can get tripped up on this sometimes. I think we can, uh, in this day and age especially, it can be hard to share our faith. It can be hard to do those things that will grow the kingdom, that will expand the kingdom. Because we live in a culture that says, what right do you have to tell me what to believe? What right do you have to think that the way you believe and the truth that you have is 
more true than mine? What right? What gives you the right? And as Christians, I think we easily forget at times. What gives us the right is God himself. What gives us the right is that we have the full authority of God behind us to do what he's called us to do. We have the authority to preach and to teach and to heal and to comfort and to counsel, to encourage. We have the authority of God to follow his call any way that he asks us to. And scripture tells us that we don't have to worry about our words falling flat because we carry the full authority of the Spirit of God. And when we're sharing Scripture, we have the authority of God in the words that we share. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, notice the Great Commission. Then Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, again, do you catch that? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Christ. Because of that authority, then he sends us out. Then we have that authority. He gives that authority to us. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That great commission is a call to kingdom expansion. That great commission is a call to grow God's kingdom. And because we have the authority of Christ, we can go in that authority. We can accomplish what it is he calls us to do. Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Again, this is Jesus speaking. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's the general call for all of us, to be his witnesses. But you cannot do that until you understand the first part, the power and authority. Through the Holy Spirit, you have the power of God, you have the authority of God to be his witnesses. But I think it's important to understand as well, the power and the authority come from relationship. They're born out of relationship. There's a lot of people, I think, that want God's power and they want God's authority, but they don't want the responsibility. They don't want uh, the accountability. Moving ahead in God's power, moving ahead in, in God's authority starts with our relationship with him. It starts with a life that seeks him. It starts with a life that is devoted uh, to following him. It starts with a life that hungers and thirsts for righteousness. That's when the authority of God comes on us to move ahead with his kingdom. <clears throat> the third thing that we see here, and I think this is important for us to understand. As we seek God's will in our life, as we seek to find that purpose and that place to grow God's kingdom, it starts with God's call then we're given the authority, and then God gives the instructions. God will give the instructions. He calls us, he gives us the full authority of himself behind it, and then if you look at verse 5, God begins to very clearly lay out for them what they're to do. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or any other town of the Samaritans. And then he continues and says, this is what you're going to do. 
Here's my call. Here's the authority you're going to go in. And here's what I want you to do. Understanding instructions and knowing the instructions are important. I took a test when I was in grade school. I don't know, second, third grade, fourth grade, somewhere in there. And I remember the teacher passing out the test. And we had to, back then, you had to keep the test upside down until the teacher said go. Now, I have mellowed significantly in life. I used to have a little competitive streak in me. Not much, just, just tiny. But when I turned that test over, there was only one thing going on in my mind. I'm going to be the first one to finish this. I'm going to finish first. It's going to get done. Everyone's going to see me hand it in first. I'm going to win this thing. And I started to go through the different questions, and they were things like stand up and walk around your chair. There were certain, I don't remember what the rest of them are, but there were certain ones where you had to say something out loud, some silly phrase out loud. And there was 10 or 15 questions just like this. And I remember looking around, and you could kind of gauge where other people were in the test because you could hear them saying things, or you could watch them performing whatever the tasks were. And there were a few people in the class that were just sitting there. And I remember thinking, you guys are morons. Like, you're going to be last. You're not going to finish this thing. You're going to be last. And when I got to the end and finished and turned my paper back over, and then everyone finished in the class, it became very apparent to me why some of those kids weren't doing anything. Because if you had gone and read the instructions first, it very clearly said, sit quietly in your seat and do not do any of these things. I didn't uh, read that part. I didn't take the time to read that part. I thought I knew what needed to be done, and so I didn't pause to get the instructions. I didn't pause to read the instructions, and as a result, I failed the test. And as a ministry, this can be a very dangerous thing. Because as a pastor and as the leaders of this ministry, there are times where we think we know best. There's times where we go, okay, well, you know what? I'm sure if we just do these things, God's going to bless it in this way. God's going to do this. God's going to, and we make these assumptions and we don't stop long enough to listen for the voice of God. We don't pause long enough to listen for the instructions to be given in our excitement to be used by God. We need to make sure that we're listening for the instructions that God wants to give. Some of those instructions will come uh, through reading his word. So much, almost all of what you need as far as God's will for your life is in here. There are some that God will reveal to you uh, through other people that he uses to speak into your life. There's some that he'll reveal to you as far as the specifics of, it, of his will uh, in your quiet times with him as you learn to wait and you learn to listen. But if we wait for the instructions before we move into our calling, we will have a great impact on the expansion of God's kingdom, a much greater impact on the expansion of God's kingdom. Now, to be clear, this doesn't mean that you sit back and you do nothing. You've heard me say it before from, from the pulpit. There are people that I know that are paralyzed by that idea of God's will. And they don't want to miss God's will. And they're not sure what exactly that will is. And so they use that, well, I haven't heard from him yet. And they use that as an excuse to do nothing. 
to sit back and accomplish nothing. Look, at the very least, we know that we're to love people. So do that. We know that we're to actively care for people. We're to meet the needs of other people. So do that. We know that we're always to be ready to give an answer for the hope that we have. So do that. There are plenty of things that we do know that God wants us to do. There are plenty of things that we do know he wants to see in our lives. So do those things. The patience that I'm talking about is being willing to slow down, is being willing to seek God's voice and the instructions for the big calling on your life. I'm not one that likes to sit still. I'm not one that likes to be or to feel like I'm in limbo. And there was a period in my life, and God's had to teach me this lesson, I don't know how many times. But in 2004, my wife and I both felt without any hesitation that God had released us from youth ministry at the time. He, he took that passion out of my heart. He began to change my heart. He began to give me a, a passion and a desire for, for other things and different kinds of ministry. Now, the way that I'm wired, to me it makes sense. If God says you're done with youth ministry, then the next week he's going to show me what door I'm supposed to walk through and the next phase of ministry is going to begin. It was nine months and in that time, I tried to force a couple things. I tried to kick a couple doors down. But after nine months, when we finally got to the point, we, Aaron got there a lot faster than I did, to be honest. When I finally got to that point where I was willing just to say, okay, God, I'm just going to wait. I'm going to sit. I know this is what you're calling us to but I don't have the instructions yet. I don't know what that looks like, and so I'm going to wait. And when I finally got to that point, God opened just the right door for that next season of ministry. But in those months, in those nine months, I didn't just stop. I didn't quit teaching the kids that I was called to serve. I didn't stop loving the kids that I was called to serve. I didn't stop doing the things that I knew I was still supposed to be doing in that time as I waited for what God had next. So if you feel today like you're in a holding pattern, if you feel like you're just waiting for God to open the door or even for God to just show you where the door is so you can start to walk towards it, if you're waiting for what's next, don't miss what's now. Don't stop. Serve him where you are with all your heart, with the best of your ability. Never stop seeking to bring glory to his name. I promise you that God will honor that. We heard it all the time growing up, and I know it's not, I don't think it's from my mom. I think she got it from someplace else, but we were always told, bloom where you're planted. And so even if you knew, know that God's calling you to a different garden someplace at some time, Bloom where you're planted. Make sure that you're doing what God has for you in the moment as you wait for the instructions on what he has next. Now, in the passage that we see here, there are some general instructions that we can see that are for all of us that he gives the disciples. In verse 8, we see the principle that we are to give out of what we've been given. Give out of what we've been given. 
Jesus says there in verse 8, Freely you have received, freely give. A lot of times when we have the opportunity to share Christ with others, when God does open a door, we make things a whole lot more difficult than they need to be. We feel like we have to have the perfect illustration for the Trinity, or, or we need to be able to, uh, to talk about the, the deeper points of theology and the deeper points of doctrine. And look, those are great things, and those are things that, yes, you should know your doctrine, and you should know your theology. But what they need to see is exactly what God has given you. God's given you love. Show them love. God's given you forgiveness. Show them that. You've been given grace, and you've been given mercy. Extend that to people, and watch what God does through those things. Listen to what Paul says. The greatest soul winner in all of Scripture. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, 4, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Paul himself says, look, there's a lot of times when I'm talking to people, it's not with wise and persuasive words, but it's showing them what the Spirit has done. And there's nothing more persuasive There's nothing more powerful than the reality of a changed life. Than the reality of what the Spirit is doing in your life and how the Spirit is moving and working in your life. And so what you've been given, give to others. The second thing, in verse 14. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet when you leave that home or town. What Jesus is saying there is don't give up. He's saying don't get discouraged. This is the second principle that we can take from this. Don't give up. And the imagery that he's using there, in those days if a Jew had come through the land of a pagan country, a land other than Israel, He was to wipe all of the dust of that country off of his clothes as a sign that he was moving on, as a sign that he didn't agree with the culture, didn't agree with the practices and beliefs of the land that he'd just come through. And so Jesus uses that imagery here to tell his disciples not to get discouraged. What he's saying is if someone fails to listen to you, don't take it personally. Move on. Their decision is between them and God. The beautiful thing is, there are millions of people out there that do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so you will never run out of opportunities to grow the kingdom. Never. We had um, a pair of Jehovah's Witnesses come through our our neighborhood uh, a couple days ago, two days ago. We sent them to your house, John. We said, we're good, but they really need to talk to you. Um, But look, I don't agree with their teaching. I don't agree with their theology. I don't agree with most of what they want to talk to me about. But you have to admire the fact that they don't give up. You have to admire the fact that when one door closes on them, they go to the next, and then they go to the next, and then they go to the next. They continue to look for opportunities. When people don't respond to our message, We need to just shake the dust from our feet, and we need to move on. Not in an I'm done with you kind of way, 
I'm not saying if you share the gospel with someone and they don't respond the way that you want them to respond, that you just say, well, I want nothing to do with you ever again. That's not it. But look at that as, okay, that opportunity is closed for now. And begin to pray that God would give you another opportunity. Begin to pray that God would open another door. And like I said, you will never run out of opportunities in this lifetime to share the gospel and to live your faith out in front of people that need it. The third thing that we see here as part of the instructions that are given, and we got to jump way down to verse 27 here. But as Jesus continues to give instructions to them, he says this, What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Share what God teaches you. Share what God teaches you. This goes hand in hand with freely you've been given or freely you've received, freely give. But share what God teaches you. And the obvious implication here is that as Christians, we are to be growing. As Christians, we're to be learning. As Christians, we're to be ministering to other people out of the overflow of our hearts, out of the abundance of what God's given to us, out of the abundance of what he's taught us. And those things that he teaches you in your quiet times, those things that he teaches you as you pray, those things that he illuminates, maybe in a scripture passage that you've read 200 other times, but all of a sudden God uses that to teach you something. Those are the things that we're to be sharing with others. If we're not experiencing communion with God on a personal level, we cannot share his love with others in a public arena. Share what God teaches you. Those are three things that Christ instructed his disciples to do as he sent them out. And that's where they saw the kingdom begin to grow. And these are three things that need to be a part of our lives as we seek our role in growing the kingdom as well. And then finally, the last thing that we see here is that God gives the message as well. Back up to verse 7. As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. It should sound very familiar because it's very similar to the message that John the Baptist preached. It's very similar to the message that you see Jesus preach and teach in his very first, or at least the account of his very first sermon as he enters public ministry. The kingdom of heaven is near. Now, as those disciples went out in that day and age, there were a lot of things that they could have preached. There were a lot of things that they could have uh, talked to the people about that would have been very popular, that would have been very well received. They could have talked about uh, how evil the Roman Empire was. They could have talked about the hypocrisy of the Jewish leaders. They could have talked about how, how evil uh, the tax collectors of that day were. All of those platforms, again, would have been something that people wanted to hear. All of those platforms would have been very well received and needed to be spoken out against. But those weren't the message. The message was, the kingdom of heaven is near. Today, the kingdom of heaven is here. Not in all its fullness, that day will come. But the kingdom of heaven is here. That kingdom that was ushered in by the love of the Father and the sacrifice of the Son. That's what our message is to be. And as we go out 
and we follow the call to expand the ministry, to expand the kingdom, to see God's kingdom grow and explode, our message is the same. There are a lot of things that we could make our message. A lot of things that could be the primary message of this ministry. We could, and we absolutely need to raise our voices about abortion. We could, and we absolutely should, speak against the politics of the day. Or about the the drug abuse and the drug use in society or about domestic violence, or about human trafficking. All of those things are important, and all of those things demand and deserve a voice, but never at the expense of the gospel. The primary call of God's church, the primary call of us as Christians, is not social justice. The primary call of the church is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are called to proclaim the gospel. We are called to proclaim the good news. To offer others the opportunity to meet Jesus. We are to proclaim that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are to proclaim that the penalty of that sin is death and separation from God. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The world needs to know that there's salvation. The world needs to know that there's hope, that there's peace, that there's life, that there's forgiveness, all of which is found in a relationship with God through the redemptive work of Jesus Christ on the cross. That is the message. That is the gospel. That is the good news that a desperate world needs to hear from us, from the church. Those social justice issues, those political issues, Those will be addressed within the context of the gospel message, within the context of the proclamation of the gospel. But it's about the good news first. That was the call on the disciples as Jesus sent them out, and that's the call on us as he sends us out as well. We live in a mission field. We live, as we looked at last week, in a place where the harvest is great, but the workers are few. There are too few Christians who are willing to take the call to kingdom growth, are willing to take the call to kingdom expansion to heart. And the cure for our nation is to once again find churches where the gospel is proclaimed from the pulpit, to find churches that are full of people who understand the call on their lives, who understand the purpose of their lives that are willing to go out and share the good news and share the hope of the gospel and live lives that will point others to Jesus Christ. You can be sure that God will give the call and God will give you the authority and God will give you the instructions, what you need, when you need it. And God will even provide the message. But it's up to us to obey and it's up to us to follow. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for the good news of your gospel. We thank you this morning that at its core, it is so simple. Sin was the problem and Jesus was the solution. 
But Lord, as we learn and as we grow, there's so many dimensions to it, and it affects every area of our life. It affects every issue that we see around us. It affects every set of circumstances that we can find ourselves in. Lord, I pray that here at Community Bible Church, we would be about one thing. We would be about the gospel. We would be about proclaiming the good news that there's relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Again, Lord, I pray that your spirit would take this and I pray that you would just drive it deep into our hearts, that your spirit would now do the work that he does. Help us to see where we've fallen short in this. Help us to see opportunities that we've missed, doors that we haven't walked through. And Lord, I pray that you would begin to reveal to each and every one what your will is for their life, what their purpose is in this life. Help them to find what their role is as your kingdom continues to grow and continues to expand. In Christ's name, amen.